Good Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. As you can see this morning, we actually are going to do a three-on-one conversation. Uh, We've got our end-of-the-month mini panel, and we're going to focus today on sales and origination strategies for 2021 with uh, three experts in the the business. So I hope you're ready for a good conversation. We've got uh, some really good guests, and I'm excited to jump right in. But before we do that, let's thank our sponsors over at Accelerate. So if you're looking to close more loans in 2021, which I'm sure everyone who's watching this or listening to this is certainly in that in that category, certainly those who are my guests today are in that category, um, Accelerate's a great place to start to check out. Uh, you can experience Accelerate's award-winning customer engagement platform that features lead management, CRM, all routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, which includes text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and much more. And if you know uh, the, uh, the founder and the, uh, the uh, CEO president of the company, it's Josh Friend, a good, uh, good friend of ours here at the California MBA, good supporter of our uh, industry. And uh, you can certainly catch him on, he's very active on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with Josh, that's a great place to find him. Otherwise, you can schedule your personal demo at Accelerate.com. All right, well, let's jump into the conversation here. Let's first introduce our, uh, our panel here. So Aaron Futter is the Regional Vice President of Wholesale at Stearns Lending. Casey Hughes-Wade is the VP Relationship Manager at SLK Global Solutions. And James McKibben is Branch Manager at New American Funding. Welcome, panel. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, well, let's start with the uh, start at the start here. Start with our backgrounds. Uh, for those that maybe don't know you in the industry, let's uh, you know go through your uh, a quick uh, tour of your Uh, journey in the the industry and how you got to where you are now. Casey, let's start with you. Well, yes. Hello. Thank you so much, Dustin. It's so great to be with you, Aaron and James and everyone listening. Uh, Happy Monday. So my name is Casey Hughes-Wade. I'm Vice President of Relationships of Mortgage at SLK Global Solutions. We're a leading provider of digital platforms and business process management services. Uh, Traditionally, I've been uh, on the service provider side for about 10 years. Uh, from the compliance and risk side over to credit, a little bit of fintech, and now you know combining both uh, SLK with digital platforms and workflow uh, and process automation. So really happy to be here. I'm also known as an expert um, networker in the industry, really big on LinkedIn, you know, social media, embrace social media. I've used it to grow my brand and grow my name in the industry. And I'm really excited for this conversation today. So thank you. Yeah, sometimes the best way to catch Casey is, is on LinkedIn, right? Absolutely, yes. With catching Casey, a little video podcast I do, so yes. Absolutely, absolutely, recommended. All right, Aaron, how about uh, let's find out what uh, what brought you to where you're at now at uh, Stearns. Well, thank you so much, and again, I appreciate being a part of this panel, and I'm excited for today. Um, I started with Stearns in 2009, so I'm coming up on 12 years here. I started in the industry in 2005 as an account executive, so I came in right before it crashed and uh, managed to survive. Uh, Of course, eight and nine were hard for everyone. And here I am and just enjoy this company tremendously. I'm so proud to be here. So again, thanks everyone. And I look forward to today. Yeah, yeah. Well, as someone who started the California MBA in 2004, I I can sympathize that, you know, there's (laughs) an interesting time to to join the industry right at the, you know, the height of the market or as the market was, you know, heating up to that extent. 
Um, James, how about you? Yeah, so I started in about 2005. Um, I walked in like most people and just thought I would try this. It was my next job after college. And uh, 16 years later, I'm still doing it. Um, most recently, last year was my best year, just to share from an origination standpoint. I closed a little over 200 million, um, but I definitely didn't start there. I had to struggle my first couple of years in the business. I went from uh, one lender, which was American Home Mortgage, as a junior processor. I basically shared an office with like seven people with one table. So I definitely had to work my way up from from that spot. Went to you know junior loan officer to loan officers. So kind of had the general plateau of um, you know you know people like myself. So um, now you know helping run a branch and really being more of a team lead is really more of my title. Um, and so. You know, I think this year is going to be great. I also appreciate being here with all of you experts. It's a real honor and look forward to hopefully sharing some of my, you know, success and details and also learning from you. So thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, James. And I, I think we've got a uh, certainly a great uh, array of backgrounds and, uh, you know, expertise here. So let's uh, let's dive right in. So, Aaron, why don't we start with you on this question? So the refi boom obviously marches on as we you know start 2021 here. So from your perspective, what's the biggest challenge for originators? Oh, you know, every broker I talk to, they're tired. You know, I think it's hard to keep up. I think it's hard to keep our momentum because, you know, they're getting so busy and they're trying to continue to originate as well as close their loans. So it's just, I think, um, and trying to keep me time. You know, it's really important that we work that work-life balance. And with everyone working from home, I think that's gotten a lot harder. Um, as we kind of were talking about earlier too with our kids at home. So there's just a lot going on and I think time management and um, really trying to put times in there for things like working out or reading or just enjoying your family is really important to keep your momentum, to keep originating so that you don't burn out. Cause I think that's the biggest thing is burnout. Hmm. That's a good point. James, from, a, from your perspective as a branch manager, what are you seeing? Yeah, so I mean, I'm more of a producing branch manager, so you know, my role is still you know more to originate. I think you had some great points, Aaron. I think you know you really have to be resilient right now. You're going to have days where you have three declines, and you have to just shake it off. Like this week for me, admittingly, has been pretty brutal. I'm have I've had you know borrowers cancel, so you really have to kind of dig deep and know that you're going to have deals that are two weeks from closing where you have to relock a rate, or you're going to lose a loan, or you have to take a day where you try to save three or four files while you're also battling maybe a two week closing that comes on your desk, that's not easy. So I think it's just really one, trying to stretch yourself a little bit and know that it's gonna be a long day. There's no way to really work seven or eight hours if you wanna get to everything, if you're really pushing yourself. And in these low rate environments, I mean, I remember 2012 and 16, where I came in one day, rates went up a little bit and they went up a little more. And before you know it, you're up three, you know, you're, you're up a half point where you really wanna see this window of time where I think Statistically, every client that you close could, should lead to three or four referrals within 18 months. Really see this window as the time to shine, to catapult your business, to um, to take your business to the next level. Um, but really, just you have to grind. You have to be tough right now. Um, Aaron had some good points as well with finding me time. I try to go to the gym in the morning to get it out of the way or else I have no chance to because by seven or eight, I'm still going with work. And I'm usually pretty beat up mentally and you know physically by that point. Um, but I think just you know get ready to grind this year. I try to do you know I, I try to do nothing during the day that's like an errand or like anything where I have to go get food. I like to have everything right here because if I lose that that work tunnel during the day, 
it kind of derails me. And I think you kind of have to be at your desk almost. A lot of people, they're so needy. You almost have to have immediate response time. So I try to kind of, you know, organize my day on weekends. So during the week, I can just go full speed. And that's helped me to really produce daily. Um, but yeah, hope that, you know, hope that answers it. No, no, that's an interesting, that's a good perspective and good thought there, James, especially on, you know, having your day planned out and organized so you're not, you know, wasting time running errands. Because it is, I know just from my perspective, it's hard when you're at home to not get, you know, that that sort of work-life uh, division, to not get caught up yeah. in, well, I'm looking out my window, I see all these projects that need to get done, I can go run to the store right now, I can go run to the, you know, run to Home Depot right now, but, you know, then you lose focus and you've lost, you know, you turn around and you've lost a couple of hours of uh, work time. So I think that's, that's Absolutely. good advice. Casey, how about you? From your perspective, what do you see as a, a challenge for originators this year? You know, I love this question, and I, you know, I think Aaron and James both made great points, and I tend to teeter a little bit towards Aaron because talking with, you know, hundreds of lenders and being in a unique position as a service provider at SLK, we do operate within the our clients, the mortgage lenders, you know, business and their operations and their workflows. So we're an extension of the lender, right? So I see a lot, and sometimes my job is just listening to their frustrations as managing the relationship and what they're dealing with day to day. And so I think, you know, with several of the companies I work with, it is managing that burnout, right? How do we help our employees stay on top of and continue to work as hard as they're working from home, right? And so, um, you know, I, I love the point about working out. For me, you know, working, you know, as much as I've been working lately, it's, you know, when do I have time to shower? sometimes right I'm on these zoom calls and I have my hair you know wrapped up in a, in a towel and they're like well let me see you I'm like no no not today you know so running from meeting to meeting as well and managing that burnout I think is such an important factor that it's not talked about enough and it is you know a big issue and people are starting to get really worn down right so empowering your employees empowering your loan officers um, giving them you know tools to, to manage that is really important and I think you know back to what James said is you know he's obviously in a producing role it comes back back to, you know, how do I manage the business I have today and still grow the business I want for the future, right? So focusing on your digital presence, your brand, right? This pressure to now focus maybe on purchase and, and building, going back to the relationship side of the business, right? How to manage all of that, I think is, is something that, you know, uh, originators are struggling with. And, you know, it's having this huge pipeline, managing turn times, communicating with the borrower, right? Meeting expectations, um, and, you know, working for the right company that, that really utilizes and has the right technology tools for you to do the best job possible is also something I know some loan officers are struggling with. So I think um, all three of us kind of have, I think we're all on the same page here with, you know, what they're yeah. struggling with today. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, Casey, you mentioned the, you know, the sort of the, the tech solutions here. Let's, you know, take it in this direction. So, I mean, how can the tech solutions that are out there right now, how can they help the originators to keep pushing the envelope on volume right now without getting buried and, and losing touch with borrowers? And to your point, Casey, about relationships, how can they, you know, stay in touch with their borrowers and keep that human to human contact without you know sort of sacrificing uh volume uh james let's start with you on this one yeah so um you know i've tried to embrace what the company offers um i you know i used to take handwritten applications up until about six months ago everybody would make fun of me they're like how are you doing this you're closing 40 50 loans a month and i would take a handwritten application it was so archaic that finally i started using our rapid application you send a link they fill it out it's all you can upload everything so you know just simple things that companies offer we really push our seven-year campaign at new american funding where if we close a loan and we service it you know the realtor gets the marketing for seven years which is really cool i'd really look at your you know trigger leads if anyone's doing a loan that you did that you know you know, outside of you look at you know trying to contact that buyer or, the, or that client because it's going to happen you know 
and you want to take the right approach with how you contact them because people are inundated. You can turn the news on, you'll probably get coronavirus politics and then, you know, where to get a mortgage rate, right? That's all you're going to probably get. <laughs> and so um, I would also look at making sure that you're really organized with your databasing. Um, you know, really make sure that you're adding every single person because you never know who's going to be a good referrer. And make sure that your marketing team is also going to send out kind of a set it and forget it. Probably say at least once a week. We don't want to inundate people where they're opting out, but you have to stay really top of mind right now. Um, I try to do, you know, I probably have four or five different Excel spreadsheets open for me just to share every day because you just have to be funneling through, you know, you know, all your clients and opportunities. You have to almost touch them just nonstop as you go up and down because people have different needs. They they want to hear from you, you know, and you make it a you know a message that's very helpful and encouraging and how you're doing, but a lot of times then it leads to, hey, you know, can you improve on my deal type of thing? Um, one thing I just started looking into is, you know, text blasting a little bit, um, just because if you look at the open rate on a text, I think it's 98% versus an email is 20%. And I think I, I think that, you know, the time frame for a text for response is 90 seconds versus the average for an email is 90 minutes. So if you look at using technology a little bit, just based on the data at hand, um, it's kind of like a lot of the top guys say like Elon Musk, if you look at him, if you look at Steve Jobs and you look at you know Warren Buffett, they're most successful with what they don't do versus what they do. You know, they want to cut out things that don't. So look at you know how you can spend your day and really you know tackle business as an originator. Um, maybe don't take the you know buyer that wants to buy a home in four years and it's a manufactured home on leased land because it's gonna suck your time up and look at where you can be most effective, you know. So um, but yeah, that's how I'm kind of embracing technology a little bit. That's really good to hear. That's good to hear, James. That's a good perspective on that. Casey, how about your your perspective? You've got a little different perspective as someone who's working for a tech provider. Right, right. I've worked for several different technology, you know, companies uh, at different points in my career. And I think the thing with technology, you have to remember, is that really, you know, partnering with the right company, right? That's a partner and not just another solution that you're adding on top of all of these other technology solutions, right? You start to get really bogged down. It can almost get heavy and it's it's too much tech sometimes, right? So making your sure your technology is syncing together, making sure it's providing the efficiencies and the consistency that you want, you know, on the operational standpoint that really empowers your loan officer to stay in communication, right, with the bar that provides transparency on the loan file. So then the processors of the underwriters and then can communicate to the loan officer and thus to the borrower. So it's all kind of streamlining together to create the best workflow you know for uh, for you know your business model which obviously depends and the one thing I know about the mortgage industry and working with so many different lenders nationally is that although you know lenders are all doing the same thing they're all doing it differently right so having someone and a partner that is going to utilize your model right and how you're doing business and how you're reaching your consumer and can pivot and adjust and offer solutions for you I think is a great tactic um, you know anytime you have a technology, you know, partner that's going to um, push the envelope for you and create, you know, unique workflows for you is always going to help you create customized solutions and offer strategic, you know, um, feedback, uh, you know, not only on the technology, but also on your workflow, right, is really a partner to you. I think there's going to be this push um, more to a strategic partnerships in technology instead of just adding a lot of different fintech on top of each other that can sometimes bog you down. Yeah, no, I think it makes sense, especially as, you know, some of this technology becomes more standardized and, you know, in a sense, uh, commoditized, having, a, a like you mentioned, Casey, an actual partner, not just another vendor, I think is going to make a big difference in the future. Um, Aaron, how about you from your perspective? 
Well, I think um, Casey kind of nailed it with, you know, every lender has maybe something that's a little bit different. And, you know, because as a broker, you know, working in the wholesale channel, I think the brokers need to embrace their lenders that they're using and the technology that the lenders offer. Because um, I'll give a great example, you know, as that refi boom started to happen last year, you know, files are coming in so fast, the so processors can't move quick enough. And we're using our instant income validation and we have income in 15 seconds. And the processor's like, oh, I forgot you had that. So mm -hmm. it's, re it's remembering what your lender offers and trying to use that. In addition, like what James said, you know, using digital applications. I think the, the broker channel sometimes feels that um, that loses their personal touch. But in reality, it helps them be more efficient so that when they get the application back, then you can go back through it together and actually have conversations. Oh, I see that you put on your, you have another home. Is that a second home or is it a um, rental? You know, whatever the case may be. So by using technology, I don't think you lose relationships. I think you gain relationships because you can be faster, you can be better, you can be more accurate. And in the long run, that's going to just help your loans close faster. So, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of embracing all of that. And I think all three of us kind of hit on some really good points of different versions too of technology. So embrace it. Absolutely. Perfect advice. Perfect way to end that one. Uh, so let's uh, next question here uh, on specific to sales trends heading into this year, or I guess, you know, as we start this year, Casey, what are you seeing on your uh, horizon as far? And if you say Zoom meetings, I'm going to have to hit the buzzer or something because that's, that's, that's already a trend at this point. But uh, is there anything else you're seeing on your end that uh, you, you know, count as a, a trend? Right. Well, I think the trend overall, a market trend is, you know, that refi boom, right? Really expanding uh, the market and expanding, you know, borrowers um, being able to be, you know, communicate with borrowers and being able to um, uh, have access to loans that maybe weren't in your pipeline, you know, a year ago. And it really expands the market. So that's overall, I would say, you know, a trend. Um, but when it comes to sales techniques and individual, you know, trends, um, I think that there's going to be, you know, more of a push now than ever to really go where the consumer is. Where's the consumer? They're on their smartphone, right? So how do you get into their phone, right? And so how do you pursue social media and build relationships when maybe you can't be there in person? So establishing yourself, whether it's through TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, right? Continue to build upon the social media sort of um, push that we've had in the industry and, you know, whether it's videos and, um, you know, you know, all the unique things that, you know, we're seeing loan officers do, which I think great is great. Uh, and giving away information for free, right? Positioning yourself as an expert in your local market through social media, going where your consumers are, which is, you know, online and really it's in their smartphone. How do you get on their phone, right? It's through social media apps. So I think that's going to be a big trend. We're going to continue to see um, increase. Yeah, no doubt about it. One, and the curious thing to me is, you know, how do you, how do you predict um, trend-wise what the next big social media, you know, uh, platform is going to be and, and how to get on it and how to, you know, do it in a compliant way? I mean, Somewhere, somewhere, a uh, you know, a compliance, uh, a marketing compliance person is, you know, their hair is, you know, popping out when they hear this. But I mean, it is definitely the future of the industry. You know, uh, connecting with borrowers on uh, on social media. So it's just a matter of doing it in a compliant way, and then you know, finding the next uh, the next platform for that. Uh, Aaron, how about you? What do you? What's your uh, your take on this? 
I think Casey nailed a lot of really good points. You know, there's so many different ways to reach the, the end user and it is using technology. I think video is a big component. Um, I use BombBomb and I have had some of my highest um, click rates and open rates when I do my video emails and I'm, and I'm dealing with the wholesale channel. So I'm not going direct to the end user, but I have brokers who use it and they find great success with it too. So, um, I can't give Casey more credit. I mean, she really nailed it. It's 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 finding that platform, finding your voice, building your brand through those channels and um, being an advisor, right? Like I think as, as mortgage individuals, we need to be advisors and the more we can advise and that's gonna create trust and it just kind of goes full circle. So it, it's just really knowing what you need to do, building your brand and using the right platform where your users are going to be. Right, right. James, how about you? What do you uh, What do you see in trend wise uh, um, yeah. in 2021? So you know, I you know, I think you know, for myself, I don't know if this is a trend, but I think you have to be more human with clients today. I think half the people you speak to, maybe a spouse, a brother, someone's lost a job, you know, due to COVID or what have you. So I think kind of personalizing that conversation where it's not quite so to the point, you have to kind of chameleon your, yourself around, maybe what they're going through. For instance, I just had COVID. I got over it about a week ago and you kind of almost have like a COVID bond with somebody. Not that that's the bond you want. It's not very cool, but people call me, hey, you know, I heard you had it. You know, you're just like, yeah, you know, it's just this whole conversation. So I think, you know, really understanding what people are going through. I think that their needs might be different. You know, maybe they have to go from a 15 year to a 30 year because they need to stretch out their payment. So it's not always, I think it's being a better listener right now um, because people do, again, maybe their kid was in school and they've been home and it's just a different environment for people. So I think you have to look at, you know, really listening, you know, trying to be adaptable and, you know, trying to be there as an advisor, but also, you know, kind of as a friend. I think that's how we can do, you know, you know, sort of differentiate ourselves versus others that maybe just send an email with the, you know, with the closing cost worksheet and say, I can save you this much versus like, hey, I'd love to hop on a call with you. I can help you. But, you know, and then just kind of being there, I think you kind of can stand out versus someone that's maybe more about just getting a quick yes and then moving forward. So and I don't think COVID's going to go away. I think we have a little run here. Um, and I think this year is going to be interesting. I mean, we're all going to, you know, we're going to see a lot of shifts and changes that we you know, might not even foresee yet. So I think it's just about being adaptable to everyone on the other line. Yeah. Well, I really think I could advise there too, James. I mean, there, I mean, one way you can look at it that it's a, you know, a minefield trying to speak with someone this year with, you know, all the potential challenges and, and even losses that they went through last year. But to your point, if you're just a good listener and genuinely empathetic, then you can, you know, yeah. disable those minds and, and have a real conversation with someone. Um, well, let's uh, next question here, um, Aaron. Let's start with you on this one. So, obviously, this last year, the you know the big change for everyone in any industry was the number of virtual meetings that we have. Yeah. And I'm just curious, from your perspective, do you see that as sort of even beyond once we get through the pandemic and everyone's able to start going back to work as much as they will? Um, uh, do you see that as sort of the future of sales? That's that virtual meeting. I, I do because I think people are finding that they can work from just about anywhere. So I think we've seen, you know, we've seen people leave the big cities, you know, from LA, even coming out, you know, to the desert or even going into Northern California to more rural areas where it's more affordable. So I definitely think that given the fact that we've proven we can work from home. Most industries have proven they can do it other than of course, like your manufacturing job, like where you have to be, 
where the point of sale is, but a lot of industries we found that we can work from home. So I do think there's going to be a combination and I think it's going to be a while before people feel safe. You know, like I've wanted to go back out and visit my brokers, but half of them, are, they're not there. So I, I can't. And quite frankly, I don't want to get COVID. So sorry that you had it, James. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. well, well, James, you're the perfect person to ask this, ask this too then. Uh, you know, how permanent do you see the change uh, with virtual meetings? So I actually think, you know, that, that, you know, with virtual meetings, they're great. I really do. And a lot of people really kind of panicked right away. Like, what are we going to do? Because they were so used to that bond in the office. So I did a presentation on it where I live in Orange County, where the average person takes 53 minutes to commute one way to work from Orange County or L.A. They take 28 minutes to get ready for a normal workday. So you save 10.66 hours a week by not doing that daily, you know, by weekly. They also have what are called super commuters in LA County, Orange County, where it takes you know, actually 90 minutes to get to work one way. So when you cut that down, you're saving so much time. And the number one stressor for work is the commute. I think it's number one or two. So it's one of those things where when you cut out that, you're optimizing so much time during the day and you're de-stressing things a little bit, where I think it's a positive. Um, I used to be one that I'd meet a realtor at an event or somewhere and I would drive you know, 45 minutes for a 20 minute coffee meeting. It really wasn't tangible. Hey, we should do business versus like a Zoom call or a call. It you know, helps you be more efficient, I think, for them as well. Um, I I do miss the in-person meetings. I think they'll be more spread out, maybe once a month or you know twice a quarter, because so many times it's almost like a meeting to talk about a meeting. It's not you're really not gaining too much. Um, and I cover you know I have preferred realtor relationships from basically. Santa Barbara to San Clemente. So I was one on the road at like three, four in the morning for meetings to beat traffic. So I miss the offices, but at the same time, we're we're very efficient with Zoom meetings. And I think uh, I think Aaron hit it as well. I, I think there'll be a blend because you can't, you know, I, I think that building and that synergy base is really important. But I think we're so effective this way, and I think that Zoom will also continue to get better and better. Who knows what they'll come up with next? But there'll be better audio or features or. I know there's there's already some cameras where you can like read in what you're saying, I believe, and stuff. So they'll keep getting stronger. So, um, you know, and we're probably not anywhere near it because, like you said, Aaron as well, which is right on the head. People don't feel safe, even if they, you know, if they have an older parent that lives there. We don't want to put them in jeopardy. So um, I like this. I like working from home. I, I I can be at work in one minute. I'm on by five five thirty, and I can work till seven, and I'm done. You know, so. Yeah. Well, in, in case you're laughing about the uh, uh, meetings to have meetings and meetings to talk about meetings, what's your, yes. what's your take on uh, the future of uh, virtual meetings? Yes, no, I definitely think they're here to stay. And I recently saw someone post on LinkedIn that said, you know, we all, uh, you know, passed a test that we didn't know was coming and we didn't study for, right? But the entire industry, you know, sort of pivoted and, and changed and adopted, you know, how we do business. And I think that with all things, there's a pendulum, right? And we had to swing one way and you know, I, I don't think it'll ever swing back. I think it'll kind of be in the middle. And I, I'm hoping that eventually, you know, there'll be a time where we can connect, you know, over coffee and maybe not go to an office and sit in a boardroom. And those types of meetings and presentations, you know, uh, may not happen for a long time. But I'm hoping that there will be, you know, more connection in person, you know, eventually. And obviously, there's going to be a balance, right? And I think that the great thing about having virtual meetings and embracing technology to do that is that I'm able 
to still build relationships, right? Because like, I'm in your home, right? Like I see your office, I, I can see your kids back there. You know, I can see a part of you, right? And you are in my home. And so there's this automatic connection, you know, and not to focus it, you know, just on females, but, you know, I've connected with a lot of, you know, female clients and, and lenders and, and friends over, you know, what it's been like, right? And sharing that, even in a business meeting, connecting over, you know, my son's in here asking me, you know, can I get lunch, mom? And I'm like, oh, one second, please, you know, right? And so there's this balance and this connection, there's this authenticity that, you know, surprisingly, virtual meetings has has provided for us. So I think it's been amazing that we've embraced it. And, you know, um, and I do love working from home. I worked from home for a long time. And I do miss some of the travel and connecting in person and, you know, having conversations. But I've utilized social media and some videos to still connect and have those authentic relationships with colleagues, you know, with lenders, with females, you know, with uh, tech tech experts in the industry. So we're still having these important conversations that maybe that used to happen at conferences, but now we're having them virtually. So yeah. Well, I can't imagine a universe where Casey's not able to network and connect with people. So I don't know what I don't know what it would take to get you <laughs> get you away from other people like that. So I, we'll, we'll make it happen. Oh thanks um, Dustin. So I, I, I love stories. Let's uh, my next question here is uh, I want to hear your your favorite sales story, whether it's a you know a huge win that you didn't expect or maybe some you know epic crash and uh, fail that you learned from. So uh, James, let's start with you. All right. So I thought about this when you sent that you know the questions. Um, you know I love when I can come from behind. I think in lending and kind of you know close a loan that maybe others couldn't. So I had a big win about three months ago. It was a loan and. Because you, you know, you know, I get very adamant about wanting to do it. You know, to want to make sure I can close it. You get so emotionally attached. People don't don't always realize that that our realtors, our clients, is we lose sleep over loans. My weekends are 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 not well, you know, good because I'm I'm thinking about it. I I wake up and it's on me. I get I I really want to perform. So I had a client that came to me. It was a big loan. It was about three and a half million. Um, this this client had been to her bank and one other lender, and they just had no chance, you know. And I got it very technically you know from a technical standpoint it was a it was a bank statement you know cross collateralization um uh you know we were crossing two properties from different states we had to do a rapid repair and rescore we had to cure i think about 30 nsfs um we had to pay off you know, business loans slash other loans that were attached slash other liens it was just challenging there was i think 200 conditions and so the joy in it was knowing that we, when we got it done, this client was in such a better position. And also the fact that we had climbed that mountain and it was referred by a really top, amazing person as well. So I think that sales story was because it, it actually got someone a home. It was actually a purchase cross, you know, crossing through another property they had. So it helped them get to the end result. And it was about three months of everyday work just based on everyone we had to involve. Um, but I think those are my favorite stories are one, getting people into homes that really want it and really appreciate it. Um, also, you know, it was a win for, you know, for my team and I, because a lot of people didn't think we could do it. You know, we had to get exception on exception. So uh, we got it done. So that was a good win. Great. Yeah. Thanks, James. Uh, Casey, how about you? What's your, your favorite sales story? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to tell you, I made a lot of mistakes in my career. I, I, my parents always say you were born a salesman, Casey. You've been selling since you were born, you know, and although today I'm not in, you know, a, a traditional sales role and more on the strategy side, I have so many fun stories about, um, you know, making 
huge mistakes, you know, especially in the mortgage industry, where you know you're not really familiar with the language and you don't really understand, you know, uh, some of the protocols, right, that that you go through and that you learn. And when I first started in the industry, I remember sending an NDA over uh, to a lender, and it was completely empty. Right. I didn't realize I had to fill in all this information. And it was, you know, I was working at a startup at the time and it was this blank NDA and I sent it and I CC'd my boss. And I was all proud of myself. I was, you know, I was learning still. I was being mentored by him. And he's he was so gentle with me. He said, hey, Case, uh, for next time, can you fill in the information, you know, and just, just very like, you know, gross negligence on my part. Um, but I, I always try to take, you know, any opportunity that I've, you know, sort of made mistakes in and, you know, utilize them to grow and to do better next time. And, you know, to be authentic, I think that when you share your humanness and your authenticity with, you know, another person, right, although we might be selling them something, they're still a human being, right, and so that connection, and when you own up to your mistakes, say, hey, you know, I, I acknowledge that I didn't do X, right, and you have that conversation with them, and you can kind of laugh about it sometimes, um, it, you know, it, it's, it becomes, um, you know, a story instead of like, oh, God, I can't believe I did that, right, and I've just embraced the fact that I make mistakes, right, and I learn from them, and, you know, I've learned to move forward pretty quickly. Yeah, painful in the moment, but, you know, it's certainly yes. helpful and, and useful down the road to learn from. Erin, um, how about you? Well, I had to think about this one for a while, um, just because I've, like Casey, we, we've all made mistakes. And the one thing that I've absolutely learned is just owning it. And the sooner you own it, the better. So my story, it's actually probably eight years old, but it's still so important to me because this person, the loan officer that I was um, dealing with at the time, he's now become a very good friend and um, we just have a phenomenal relationship. So we had an underwriter who made a really big mistake and we were down at the wire and we had to all of a sudden come up with 5% of the borrower's own funds. And I was, I'll never forget it. I was in a red light. I was in Orange County. I was in Newport Beach and I was turning left and I started to cry because I felt so bad in case you mentioned being authentic. And I just like even talking about it, I'm getting choked up. And it was one of those moments where my my loan officer said, Erin, it's OK. And I go, no, this is not OK. I feel horrible. Like this this borrower on the other end of the line isn't going to get their house because we need to figure this out. Well, we ended up figuring it out. And that's the one thing I've learned. We are problem solvers in this business. And I and I joke now that I'm a fixer. And it's my job. I'm here to fix things. I'm here to make them better. And we're going to make mistakes. And I respect the heck out of this loan officer because we worked it out together. And from that, um, we have a very good relationship. Like I'm, there's two um, account executives that he comes to because I'm a producing RVP and he doesn't trust anybody else but us. And I think it has a lot to do with that situation. And, um, you know, you got to own it when things go wrong. And that's, I, I really think that that's so important. And I've learned more from those situations than the ones that go smooth. Cause the ones that go smooth, you forget about. Right. Well, and you know, even owning your mistakes like that and, uh, you know, getting a, uh, a difficult loan done for a borrower. I mean, you create that, you know, borrower for life and customer for life relationship, but you also, you know, clearly you're creating those, you know, professional, you know, B2B relationships for life and colleague uh, relationships for life that you, you know, once you've gone through the fires on something like that, you're, you know, that trust is, you know, it's tough to break that trust. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've even done like little care packages when it's kind of gone awry with I've got like little Rolaids and like maybe Diet Coke and you bring them the little gift. You're like, sorry, that went sideways. Here's a little token of my appreciation. Well, a little, a little thought, a little thought goes a long way for sure. Um, so Casey, let's uh, go to you to, for the next question here. So looking forward here, what is the smart originator doing right now to prepare themselves for you know the eventual end? I, I say eventual using almost in my head uh, air quotes here because at some point the you know refi gravy train's got to end. And so what is that smart originator doing right now to prepare for that? Right. Well, you know, I think there's several different things. And, you know, as we James and, and Aaron kind of talked about, it's having that balance, right? Like, you know, focusing on the business that's coming in the door today, but also going back to, you know, your purchase relationships. And, you know, I think that if, you know, waiting to market to realtors until rates shift, you're going to be a little bit behind, right? Um, the realtors are already partnering with the ones that are, you know, you know, in their in their smartphones that are branding to them that are, um, you know, in, in their face today. So I think the smart originator is going to one embrace technology. You know, two if you haven't embraced social media or you're not working for a company that is empowering you to be where the consumer is and to empower you to build a brand to do a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. To be an expert in your local community. I think that's something you could start doing today. And then again, focusing back on your relationships. You know, maybe setting some time. You know, I'm not an expert. I'm not a loan officer, right? But from my experience in chatting with um, you know other loan officers setting some time aside every day to make those phone calls right to you know send those care packages to continue to um, build upon the relationships you have and you know anyone that says they don't have relationships yet or they haven't really been you know in the purchase market it's you know, start with the people you know right start with the people you know family right you know start there and build out so that's what I would I would suggest yeah right well, Aaron how about you 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 know in touch with originators every day here what's the what are those smart originators doing right now to you know prepare for you know the, the shift in the market ahead? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different things that can be done. And I I um a lot of originators feel like they have to go to the realtors, but what about going to financial planners, um, attorneys? Uh, I had one uh broker who has done a phenomenal job with um there's a it's called the blue book and apparently it's contractors and so he was working with the contractors in his community so that when the contractor went out if the if the work was fifty thousand dollars he's like well do you have the money maybe you need to do a cash out refi you need to talk to my loan guy so i think there's a lot of different areas that you don't have to think about your standard realtor relationships because everyone's going for the realtor relationships. I think you got to find something different. Um, I had a processor, her husband works for UPS. Why not go work with all the UPS, you know, get into their safety meetings or ask if you can attend something. I know that's attending things is harder, but it's finding different niches that not everybody else is doing. And that's going to make you different and it's going to also create a really great bond with those people in that that industry police officers firefighters that kind of thing yeah turning over the rocks that not everyone's turned over yet right right it's James, different how about you what's uh, what's your thoughts on uh, you know what originators should be doing now to uh, to make sure they're they're not caught caught by surprise when rates move and they have to suddenly shift yeah. business that's a great question i mean i, I I think, like I said earlier, I mean, you, you really have to work a long day. I mean, that's the first thing. If you want to produce, you just have to go for it. Clients are so needy. I mean, if they don't call them back in 30 minutes or an hour, especially during urgent times, you, you really have to push yourself. Um, I think with an originator, too, I mean, you want to look at trying to close all your loans you put in 
I got a little bit guilty of this where I was putting in so many deals where if you get a recommend decline, it might sit and not actually get worked on to get solutions. So it's more about net closings versus kind of gross locks. So you want to look at really trying to make sure everything works, not just putting in deals. If you have 10 deals, but you lose three, your net seven. Why not close all seven and then get three later? So really making sure that you're touching everyone. Um, I think, um, you know, I think I have seen people that come over from like, you know, call center minded and they do a bunch of refis and they burn out. So I think the model that I've tried to create is trying to always be able to sustain business and do business in any market. I think that's what kind of creates obviously longevity. It's kind of like the, the infinite model versus the finite model. If you've ever heard like Sam Senek, who does a lot of speaking, that's really one of my favorite presentations he does. Um, but you but you have to go after the low hanging fruit. You have to do refis right now, in my opinion, because those refis turn to purchases. They turn to, to you know clients that you know that then you get inside their sphere. So even if you're chasing refis, you are technically you know also enhancing your purchase opportunity in a sense. And you just have to right now. You know, you know, going back to stretching yourself, you have to work the couple extra hours a day to make sure that you're not just doing refis and shutting off purchase. Um, I think you have to, you know, look also at, you know, who's a good referrer? You know, I mean, you don't need 300 realtors. If you have 20, maybe you go wider, not deeper. Well, you try to really get more out of that contact and get more in a deeper level, not just where they get an email blast, but you have maybe a weekly call or what have you. Um, I think you have to keep your list really organized. Like I said earlier with my Excel list, you'd be amazed if you've been in the business 15, 16 years like yourself, like myself, how many people I've come in contact with. That databasing and continually touching is so important. People want to hear from you. Sometimes I'll send a text and be like, hey, it's been a while. How are you doing? You know, and help you with anything. And they're like, oh, your timing is perfect. We're having a deal fallout. Can I call you in five minutes? So you just have to stay in front of them. That's kind of my focus is always being. I don't want to call it hunting, but always being prospecting, always being visible because it leads to a lot, you know, and I've probably consistently done, I don't know, 130, 40 million a year for like 15 years, you know, and it's just because you're always going after business, you know, and so, um, but yeah, you know, definitely touch your realtors, don't neglect them, you know, I think with purchases, they always have to get priority. Um, you had a great point, Casey, if you're not getting in front of it now, you're going to be behind people are going to be you know they're already going to have meetings or you know two or three closings you're going to be fighting from behind you know so it's almost worth not to contradict myself but losing a few refis to take a couple of those purchase deals because it will sustain longer so um hopefully there's some good points there yeah yeah no absolutely all right well, we've got just a couple more minutes so uh, i think and this is a good transition i think to my my last question here uh, um and uh, aaron we'll start with you and I think it's interesting. You and James both kind of came into the uh, into the industry at somewhat similar time to where we're at now. I mean, low rate environment, you know, heavy on refi. And uh, but what about so if if I'm a younger originator that came in here in the last couple of years, and you know, you've seen you've only you've only lived in this you know boom time with uh, refis. You know, what do you do if you're not prepared for if you've never been through a purchase focus cycle? How can you plan ahead if you don't really have that book of business built up? I think the biggest thing is to find a mentor. It's so important to find someone who's been in the business a long time and people in, innately want to help. So if it's somebody in your own company or it's you go to a networking group and you find somebody or you go to you know, a, a, a camp event and you meet another broker, it's find someone who's been doing it for a long time and ask questions. You know, say, hey, can, can we have a Zoom meeting? I, I really want to learn how to get purchase business. Can you teach me? Um, and I think that, that 
nine times out of 10, you're going to get absolutely I'll help you. And it's just because, again, people innately want to help. Um, and I do think it's learning the business. I, I think knowledge is power. Um, those that know me have heard me say that a hundred times. Um, know your business, know your brand, know, know your guidelines, know what you can and can't do because so many borrowers out there think they have to put 20% down. Um, James, you probably have the stat because you seem very statistical and I don't have stats in front of me, but I do know that the average borrower still thinks they need 20% down. And we all know that's not the case. We can get in with 3% or even 100% depending upon you know, if the property's in USDA territory. So I, I think there's a lot that um, a new LO can do and, and really uh, getting a mentor, I think would be the best best way to start. Yeah, that's great advice. James, how about you? What are you, what are you telling your uh, younger originators now who haven't been around for a, a purchase cycle? Yeah, you know, I, I think it, you know for a younger LO, the first six months to two years is so important. Some are going to fall out of the business. I think, you know, I was going to say the same thing as Aaron, having the right mentor that not only helps them structure their day, but encourages them. That was one of the things that helped me was my, some of my first sales managers didn't give me the encouragement. They didn't say, you might have some talent here, you know, you know, like, I like what you're saying. It was more just kind of like, it was just a little bit colder, you know? So I think having the right mentor is really important. I think now too, like at New American Funding where I'm at, I didn't come from this, you know, this book of, you know, this era, but you know, it's not a bad thing to also have some inbound calls to supplement, I think, because like we have inbound purchase leads where you just get better with repetition and with every single deal, you learn more, you do. And so it's hard to go out without kind of a natural feeding source today. I don't have that, but I know a lot of people in their third or fourth month are closing five or seven deals a month and they're just getting you know more at-bats per se. I think you definitely want to kind of layer that um, or, you know, piggyback that, like Aaron said, with more of a senior you know, loan officer that has more of a built-in kind of book of business. One thing I, I failed to say, but Aaron had a good point, is I got a lot of my business from my networking group, you know, and it wasn't all realtors. It was one realtor. It was a financial advisor, a dentist, a CPA. We met every morning for about five years and we're still very close. We're not meeting anymore, but we still do business all the time. So someone that is more seasoned will teach you kind of how they went about doing their business before the call center era or more of a bank mentality where a teller is going to walk them to the personal banker, to the loan officer. It's more kind of self-sourced and so forth. Um, so I definitely would say as a younger originator, find maybe kind of a natural lead source, you know, work with a senior person, maybe where you can get some runoff business, I think. Because um, if you're on your own, it's easy to get kind of burnt out quickly. If you don't have deals within three, six months, you feel like everyone's busier than you. You're not doing it right. It's easy to walk away. So I almost did. I almost left a couple of times when I was, first or second year, but, um, you know, my third year is when it really clicked. Um, so, but, um, yeah, I love talking to young originators because, uh, you know, they have so much, you know, they want to make it happen, but they just, you know, they're so new. So, um, but yeah, uh, well, that's, that's great advice, James. Great advice. Yeah. Casey, well, let's, uh, let's close the D here. What's, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts for younger originators who, uh, you know, don't know what they don't know yet? Absolutely. I love talking about what you don't know yet. Uh, well, I think Aaron and James are really going to be the experts on these points. But again, I, it comes back to being authentic, right? Being authentic in the relationships that you're building. And things do take time, right? And be humble. Um, you know, I just wrote an article on mentorship for the Women's Mortgage Magazine and, you know, talking about embracing, you know, the experts that you have 
um, in the industry and people want to give back. And sometimes you just have to ask, right? Like raising your hand, right? Someone, you know, maybe you're attracted to them, not just because they're making a lot of money, which is what the younger originator might do, right? But who has an authentic relationship and, um, you know, you like not only how they are in the office, but you like who they are out in the world, right? So I think mentorship can be more not, you know, not just about you know, closing loans and getting business in the door, but, you know, personal development as well. Someone's going to help you grow and, um, you know, uh, evolve, you know, into the best version of yourself, right? And then the more you sort of know about yourself, the more authentic you are, I think you're going to be able to pursue those authentic relationships and, um, you know, and the business will come, right? You know, everyone loves doing business with who they trust, who they know, they're going to refer you business you know get a couple good deals in the door we did a good job and you worked hard for them and you're authentic they're going to free you business right it's just a natural flow of any kind of sales job so that's what i would recommend yeah well that's fantastic well, and obviously you three would be fantastic mentors yourself because you've been mentored well um and i think that comes across for sure so uh, well aaron casey james thanks again for your time this has been this has been a fantastic conversation mm -hmm. i really appreciate uh, you you know giving us your thoughts and and uh, for anyone that wants to reach out to you, um, I'm assuming we can reach you all on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll have your uh, LinkedIn uh, uh, links to your LinkedIn profiles in our uh, description below. But uh, thanks again for joining us today. Thank it's you Justin. so much. Yeah, nice meeting you guys. Well, appreciate it. If you enjoyed the conversation here too, you can subscribe to us here in our YouTube link, our YouTube channel, I should say. You can also find us on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. And we'll be back again next week for another episode of Connect. We'll see you then. Oh, 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 oh,